Let's see. Studios just the way we left it. My notes. Check. Firearms. Check. Republican repellent spray. Breaking news. Check. 99. Hi. Check. Many of the faces. You're. Check. Okay. So let me ask you. Well, why did I? I'm confident everything fell to shit while I was away. I assume Congress got nothing fucking done. Hmm, about that. Both the House and the Senate passed the curiously titled Inflation Reduction Act. The big climate package that Schumer and Manchin negotiated? Yep, that's the one. Well, I bet that's gonna fuck up inflation. Actually, the inflation numbers came out while you were away, and they started moving down. Oh, yeah, but gas prices, am I right? Average gas prices fell below $4 in the nation for the first time since March. Shitty jobs report? 528,000 jobs added in July. Way more than expected. Ah, I bet student debt is still fucked. The White House is expected to make an announcement regarding cancellation in the next two weeks. Healthcare? The inflation bill contains a few key provisions. Among them is to allow Medicare to negotiate drug costs at a set date in the near future, a cap on out-of-pocket prescription drugs for seniors, and a cap on insulin. And it extends subsidies on the exchange. Holy shit. Wait, Donald Trump is still the legitimate president, right? Of course, silly. Duh, president for life. I gotta tell you, maybe everything's better when I'm away. No, no, no. Oh, stop. No. Okay, let's scratch below the surface for a moment on fuckers. Before we get into show notes for real, a couple of comments on the spate of seemingly good news. First off, there is a lot to like about some of these recent trends. I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer because we have to celebrate progress. But it's important to remain vigilant. Every point drop in inflation, dollar drop in gas prices, every 100,000 jobs added and every $10,000 in student debt canceled is real progress, and it reduces the likelihood of a midterm bloodbath for Democrats. But here's the twist to all of it. The House may very well wind up in play, but the Dems might have secured some breathing room in the Senate, and we'll see. Either way, it will make things more difficult for progressives, and here's why. The Republicans are gonna go full assault against progressives for dragging Democrats to the left, and their audience will buy that. They'll see a giveaway to students as weak, the spending on the new bill as typical tax and spend policies that will hurt job creators, blah, blah, blah. And the Democrats will use recent gains as evidence that they are capable of governing without progressives pushing them. That they are the grown-ups in the room, despite the fact that most of the popular parts of what's happening right now are progressive ideas. So don't be lulled. We are still fighting. Plus, there's a flip side to everything we just mentioned. I think the climate investment is mostly great news. We know it's not enough, but there are solid investments into carbon reduction initiatives that will spur private industry to shift faster and more meaningfully. But as we covered in our vegan and climate industrial complex episodes, there is an urgent need to transform the protein industry, and there's simply not enough attention being paid to this in any of the current measures. Inflation is still incredibly high, even though it's coming down, and it's a reflection of pure corporate greed. 
there have been enough successive months to piece together the alignment between corporate profits and core consumer prices. A 15% minimum corporate tax is a good start to bring corporations to heel for tax evasion and loopholes, which will be aided by an investment into the IRS. But the Consumer Protection Agency remains relatively toothless. We still lack guidance on what can be done about price gouging, and it remains to be seen whether or not the federal government has any interest in breaking up monopolistic concerns in crucial consumer markets. And that's a lot of what's behind inflation. Now, gas prices, that's an interesting one. If nothing else, this is hard evidence that inflated prices were purely a reflection of greed and gouging by Wall Street pushing the prices higher. They told us it was Ukraine. The last time I checked, there was still a war. They said it was federal spending, and yet we just passed another massive spending bill and prices went down. The dollar, still strong and still improperly inverted from the norm. China, crude oil imports finally rose last month from a four-year low, so demand increased out of China for the first time, and yet prices fell. Give me a fucking break. When all the norms are no longer correlated, then it usually leaves one explanation. Fuckery. And that's what it was. And here's how you really know. Oil prices dipped when the market began to recover slightly. Remember what we covered in our two crude episodes. When the markets fall, Wall Street will always look for yield even if they have to create it. And because Wall Street literally sets the price in the commodities market, they can turn it on and turn it off like a fucking light switch. Now, I know I'm sounding a little preachy here, but this is the ultimate I told you so that you won't get from any of the mainstream financial news sources. Obviously, I'm a little amped up after vacation. There's so much to do and so much to cover, and I can't thank all of you enough for the kind messages and feedback that came our way during our little hiatus. I surely missed you all, and I can't wait to dig into the next season of shows. So let's kick off show notes with a couple of housekeeping notes before we dig into the feedback. 99 surreptitiously while I was away, quietly launched our store. Do you want to tell on fuckers about it? I would love to. Yes. Yeah, so I did a soft launch that Knudsen promptly blew up my spot on. <laughs> it's like, does he have Google alerts on, on the website? Uh, but yeah, I've been hinting to it for like five years, it feels like at this point. We had to find the right solution for us, and we did. So as we like to be transparent about all of our things here, we're using a third-party seller, so that way we can ship on demand. So the big issue with merch, as I'm sure most of you can imagine, is that we would have to estimate sizes, estimate amounts, and you always end up with like too many smalls or too many medium, whatever. So we wanted to pick the best solution that gave unfuckers the most options, and using the, the third-party shipper was, was the best option. That means we have a range of shirts and designs and whatever in different colors. So everyone gets what and they hats like. too. Yes. So currently in the shop, we have we have a trucker hat. We have a dad hat, which is like a classic baseball patty type. I don't know. I feel like people know what dad hats are these days, right? I would assume. Yeah. So and we have a vintage dad hat, which is like more of a washed out. And then we have a bucket, a denim bucket hat, which I'm very excited for. <laughs> I have to get one for myself. Uh, and that one, they have a two-toned one where it's like dark blue and light blue. Uh, I'm going to kill it. So Love it. Yeah. And then we have four shirts. We have a classic. Nobody rocks a bucket hat, by the way, like 99 does. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I do have a lot. Except I bought one. <laughs> I bought one last time I was away. It's a tie-dye one. But like, there's something off about it. And it's sort of, <laughs> I'm wearing it, looks like a fedora. 
So oh. I have to figure that out. Well, that's vintage too. I like that. Yeah, but you I'm know. not like a milady type of girl, you know? There was a, uh, I don't know the person's name, but I think I saw this on Majority Report that there was a conservative talk show or podcaster out there that got in trouble and had to pay a massive fine for cutting out all of the made in China tags on mm. his USA gear and stitching in made in the USA. Like that's a lot of trouble to go to. Yeah. To, to be a dick. Yeah, I can't <laughs> promise that we're. All, I don't believe all of our shirts are made in the USA, but we're not purporting they are. Right. So just, just. Well, I didn't want people to be like, "Well, where are your shirts made?" But I don't think our fuckers would have done that. But I don't think so. And and it's it's difficult with these third party fulfillment services. Like this is definitely the best of all the options. Like ninety nine said, we can't have. We're a podcast, so we don't have the time, the bandwidth, the inclination, or the warehousing capability to manage like 60 different SKUs. And we want to put a lot of merch out there because unfuckers really enjoy wearing it. So this we thought this was the best option. There's a, I think most of the podcasts use a service like this. I know a lot of bands do as well when they're on tour. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it depends. There are definitely some of the bigger operations like probably do their their merchant house because they can't afford it but i mean even like how did this get made i know they use t public it's not the one we're using but like i know that there are other podcasts and yeah. i mean there's also a, a website called pod swag which is for the bigger shows but like that's a whole basically a whole merch store dedicated to podcasts that like broke out because of people wanting podcast merch so yeah I'm excited to see everyone wearing it. Please send pictures in. Uh, if that. you And if you are comfortable with me posting them somewhere, please let me know. I'd love to like post them actually on the listing so people can see real, real unfuckers wearing merch, not just mock-ups. But yeah, I'm really excited. The other two, so I was saying there's four t-shirts, two classic tees, which is like a traditional unisex or men's cut, and then a fitted tee, which is a quote feminine cut. I'm trying not to use the gendered language. I do have it in the description in quotes. So just so people know what they're getting into, I don't like fitted tees personally, so I would be going for the classic. But one says, fuck Milton Friedman on the back. And the other says, meeting people where they are, because, you know, not everyone wants to wear fuck Milton Friedman. And obviously the front has a logo. And then we have two tank tops, a, again, a classic and a fitted tank top, which is also racerback. So one's super nice. And yeah, that was actually an unfucker suggestion. I had someone write in and said they primarily wear tank tops. And I said, you know what? Go for it. Yeah. Fucking wear the shit out of this tank top. Okay. And that's just the beginning. So, I, you know, obviously seasonally when it gets a little more into fall weather, maybe even just early September, I'll, I'll put some sweatshirts out and I need to conceptualize some other art that's not just our logo, but I think it's a good starting place. Love it. Thank you for doing that. That was a, a neat little surprise to log in and see that stuff. Yeah, so. it was on. It was weighing on me. I'd like be in bed and I'd be like, oh, I have to fucking do the merch store. <laughs> so I'm glad it's done. <laughs> I'm glad people are getting them. Well, so it's available, by the way, on the website. The link takes you out to the third-party service, right? No. No, not even? So it's no. embedded on the site? Yes, it is unftr.com slash merch. And you can check out your coffee and your merch at the same time. That's amazing. There is a note there, obviously, coming from different fulfillment centers. So they will ship separately, but you can just order them all together. So if you go to UNFTR, you can order coffee, native roasted, fair trade, bird-friendly, shade-grown coffee, that is roasted by our partners on Puspatak Reservation. You can order that there. Yes. And you're telling me that while I'm on that website, unftr.com, I can also order like a dad hat, as I would. Yes. 
or a shirt. And I can put it all into the same shopping cart. The same shopping cart. The same shopping cart. And what if I wanted to look at past prior episodes and show notes and links? And can I go to unftr.com and find a link to every single episode that we've ever you done? absolutely can. Can I find out information on the show itself? Of course. What about the essays? You know the essays that we write that the shows are based around? No. Okay. So we write these essays, okay. right? Yeah. And then Wait, we, what does write mean? Okay. So it's going back to the early, early days after- like when we you were, were born. Yeah. After okay. we were chiseling. Right. Like I grew up chiseling right. on stone. Wait, right. Right. Is that what that means? That's what that means. Oh. So all of those essays that are not chiseled in stone, but written on paper and then transferred onto a computer and then put into Substack, can I find those there? Yes. Holy cow. Don't forget. What? Our book list. What book list? Uh, the book list that we use to accompany every episode of resources wait, and wait, the wait. books that people write in that they love and books that our unfuckers have written. You're telling me that the books that I read to produce the essays that you can find at unftr.com are in a book sh shop and a, like a store that can also be found on this website? It can. You cannot check out with the coffee and the merch, but, but. you can go there. And by Is books. there anything this website can't do? It cannot tell you your blood oxygen level. That's interesting. But I bet if you're working you get, on it. Yeah, you'd have your branded pulse oximeters. <laughs> Very good. Well, listen, 99. Self-promotion out of the way. We have a lot to get to today because the last couple of weeks we did put out some bonus shit. We had an interview with Tom McGovern, the Tom McGovern. Which I hope people dug. George McGovern's son. That's right. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had an unbelievable drop from Jay over at Best of the Left, who disagreed about the origin story of how it all came to be. I will say his is probably more authentic than mine, and mine is a romanticized version of how it all came about. But the end result is the same thing. He let us drop one of the best podcast episodes about politics in the United States, I think that has ever been done on our feed, which was incredibly gracious. And I hope unfuckers enjoyed that. Then many of the faces took it upon himself to combine all of our Clinton episodes into one episode to make it easier to share and to consume in one big bite-sized chunk. And that's pretty cool. And then, of course, bite size, not bite size, <laughs> meal, full meal, a yeah, full meal, three courses. And then dessert, Manny's other show, Newsbeat, which he's been doing for many years now, actually, the award winning Newsbeat dropped a show that is very much part of something that we care about on this show. Obviously, you know, we talk a lot about uh, native issues and, and first uh, people's issues We've covered actually United States, Canada, and down under, First Nations issues, right? So it's something you know that we care a lot about. That's why from when we started the show, we partnered with our friends on the Puspatuck Reservation, so on and so forth. Well, Newsbeat came out with an episode that they'd been working on for many, many months, and I'll tell you why it took so long, about missing, murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit people. The reason it took so long is because Every source on that show is native and 
communicating with native people on native territories is often very difficult to track them down. You have internet issues, you have uh, telephony issues. And also, if you heard some of the sources, they're extremely busy doing very important game-changing advocacy to try and locate and document missing, murdered indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit people all through North America. It is a very, very difficult episode to listen to. What I loved about it was that uh, they, the team over there presented uh, three women who were all very related to it, but they were all native sources. So we're not talking about experts that talk about it or people that know a lot about it. These are the people on the ground that are doing the work that are native people themselves. And then they have this artist in residence who goes by the name of Liquid, who is an incredible hip hop artist who laid down verses to accompany it that are really, really powerful. So an entirely female presented show that was, uh, to me, just lights out, game changing. So appreciate the Newsbeat team for letting us drop in the feed. We appreciate Jay from Best of the Left, obviously for coming into the feed to keep people entertained and it was just pretty awesome don't forget what i dropped on twitter i don't know if you saw what was that <laughs> i said that you were barring <laughs> me from putting in the clinton episode but i finally got to share my mary kate nashley video everyone loved it did they yes someone said thank you 99 and i was like did you watch it yet <laughs> No one tells the president oh, what to do. I can't tell you how many times she's tried to play this for me. I did sit through it once. It's funny. It's not. He plays with his broccoli. Yeah, no, I saw that. I saw that. He plays his saxophone. Well, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Can we get into emails now? <sighs> Fine. So let's start with some Clinton emails. The first one is from Austin K. And he said, no one tells the president <laughs> what to do. <laughs> no, no, Austin didn't. Austin said... The Clinton series has been phenomenal. How does one distill this three-part series down to, quote, talking points when in conversation with conservative Uncle Ron at the family barbecue? That, by the way, is a swag reference. Straight white American Jesus. Changing topics a bit, have you considered doing an unfucking of European economics? While I know a lot of these points are undergirded by fear, it would be good to understand the real outlook for Europe with regard to its economy. How free are the free markets? What are the prevailing economic ideologies? Is Europe on a sustainable path, fiscally speaking? Is it inevitable that the U.S. will weaken its position in the world if more European-style and progressive policies are implemented here? So there's a lot here already. So Austin K. distilling down talking points for the Clinton series. We actually have a drop coming up that is going to be an end cap to the Clinton series. It's not going to replace a full-on fucking but it is going to be a specific phone a friend that I think unfuckers are really going to enjoy. That will help us, I think, define and really nail down some talking points. When I think about the Clinton series, I sort of move away from the, the first episode, which is laying the foundation by looking at present day of the lessons not learned from neoliberalism. The second episode of going back to, I guess, the founding of the New Democrats and the birth of the neoliberalism movement within the Democratic Party is also interesting, but it's all a primer that leads you to episode number three, which is what were the policies on the ground that really changed and impacted the United States? And I think about it in legislative terms, if I was to boil it down to talking points. Welfare reform, the crime bill, immigration, 
the repeal of Glass-Steagall with the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act and the Telecommunications Act of 1996. For me, those were the five big legislative moments during the Clinton years that derailed the nation for the next two generations. And we're current, we're still living in the aftermath of that. And we can go through again why each one of them was so impactful to different segments of the market and then the economy as a whole. But I guess if we were to just distill it to talking points, those five pieces of legislation, we are dealing with the fallout from them directly today in almost every movement that you look at. When you look at Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter is a reaction and a response to the crime bill passed in 1994 during the Clinton years. There is a direct correlation between it. That's why Michelle Alexander called it the new Jim Crow. It is a is an extension of the Jim Crow laws, but codified through legislation to imprison black and brown people in a different way. So that crime bill was where the Reagan era war on drugs became reality for black and brown people in this country. We look at welfare reform. We're dealing with the fallout today because that is really where uh, inequality began to really strip away. Inequality was widening. The gap between the haves and the have-nots was widening dramatically through the 80s. But it increased the most during the 90s because we took all of the undergirding away from the poor and the poor working class in this country with welfare reform. The border crisis or so-called border crisis was manufactured by Clinton's immigration policy. The repeal of Glass-Steagall led to the housing crisis because Wall Street banks were able to leverage up to 20, sometimes 30 times and play fast and loose because of deregulation. And they were able to you know, grow money from all around the world, essentially, through mega mergers. And then the last one is the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which led to the massive consolidation of all of the media properties so that we're to the point where 90% of the so-called media that we consume is really put out by about eight companies. So that all happened during the Clinton years. Those are the Those are the talking points that I usually boil it down to. And a lot of this was really revelatory to me as well to see it all in one spot. Now, moving to an unfucking of European economics. I'm very passionate about this. I think it is something that we definitely have to do. Looking at what the World Bank, the IMF, and the EU do in context with, well, let's just say sometimes in lockstep, but sometimes in response to American policy is really interesting. Sometimes it's a it's a push pull relationship. So sometimes you have European you have the European banking officials on the front end of things, kind of like trying to move their own way. But a lot of times you just see them working in response to what we're doing here. Sometimes lagging, sometimes right on the heels. Very interesting how the the economies are intertwined. Your last question though, is it inevitable that the U.S. will weaken its position in the world if more European style and progressive policies are implemented here? We have to really unpack that and understand what that question implies. Because if you're implying that we are only strong in the world because we have the greatest inequality, because we don't offer universal health care, or I don't, I don't know what that I don't know what that implies. 
more European-style economic policy would mean undergirding the poor in this country with welfare programs and health care that kept them out of abject and extreme poverty. It would probably also mean normalizing some trade agreements and having things be a little more fair when it comes to uh, labor agreements and uh, universal wages and sometimes uh, protections when it comes to things like trademarks. I don't see how any of that weakens us. If anything, it strengthens us. I think there's a better case to be made, Austin, that we are losing our preeminent place in the world as a result of the neoliberal policies that moved us away from the progressive policies that would have kept us strong internally as a nation. If this nation's going to fall apart, it's not going to be because we gave people health care. It's going to be because we didn't. So I'd love to understand a little bit more of what's behind that question, but hopefully that addresses some of the things that you were talking about. And I appreciate you writing in. More Clinton feedback. Colby said, hey, gang, I just listened to part two of the Clinton series over the weekend. I had to listen to Jesse Jackson's speech twice and was damn near in tears both times. I do remember Jesse's run for the Democratic nod because of the political scoffing on the TV at the time and the racist and bigoted comments and jokes that made rounds in my tiny town. The speech he played wasn't even in the sphere of political discourse. And then, speaking of progressives, soon may the Fetterman come with progressive polities and some tasty bud. That last part is for you, 99. <laughs> I told you. You are the resident uh, pothead of, I know. The, uh, of the group here. Do I sound high all the time? Don't sound high. I don't look high either. I don't look high, but they wouldn't know that. Well, I'm telling you because you can see me. I guess you're just, you know, giving off a stoner impression. Maybe it's the, I don't know, jam bands and tenting on the weekends. and. <laughs> well, not everybody's baked at a Billy Joel concert, okay? But everybody's definitely baked at your fish concerts and what have you. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Fine. So something that I was thinking about with the Jesse Jackson speech, by the way, a lot of the feedback that we got, this tells me a little bit about the audience and it should come as no surprise. I don't really trust the analytics that we get when they talk about demographics, but I think it's fair to state that we have more white listeners than anything else, right? That kind of tracks with podcast listenership in general. But I also think it tracks with some of the themes and maybe the approach of a basic white guy host. So I don't think it's a leap to say that we have a predominantly white audience. A lot of the feedback that we've gotten, therefore, has been, I had no idea. And it's a very similar trajectory to the one that I was on when I was researching that episode. And again, I felt like we couldn't tell the Clinton years story without going back to where it all began and then four years prior to where it all fell apart. So that 1988 moment, I wanted to learn more about it because I always operated under the assumption that it was a fait accompli, that Bush was going to take over for Reagan because the economy was hot. Everybody was believing that it was this, you know, sing-songy story of the, the shining city on the hill, blah, blah, blah. So it was a fait complete, and I didn't pay too close attention to the candidates in 88, right before my political awakening, wasn't totally of interest to me. The Clinton years were of peripheral interest to me because I was paying attention at that moment, but not really understanding what was going on. So 88 was this big blind spot for me, and 88 is uh, the official end of Jesse Jackson's political career as a, like a true candidate, but he came so very close. 
And by that time, the media that I was consuming as a white person in this world was not really that complimentary of Jesse Jackson, of getting a lot of that feedback from our audience. But when I've spoken to black people in this country that are old enough to remember that time in their lives, Jesse Jack, they have a completely different opinion of Jesse Jackson for the most part. Some don't have a, as high of opinion of him because even within the black community, he wasn't as celebrated as his mentor, Dr. King, necessarily. Uh, he also wasn't as controversial or as celebrated on the further uh, left spectrum in the black community as a Malcolm X was or some of the other figures that gained prominence during the more radical 60s and 70s. So he sort he sort of has this strange position as the person who was there to carry the civil rights mantle but didn't have everybody's buy-in. He didn't have the I would say the the legacy love that a John Lewis did by being in service for so many years and being so consistent over the years. And there's definitely an element of Jesse Jackson that seeks the limelight and has always sought the limelight. And that makes people very suspicious. But very few people to me remember him exactly in that light as he was portrayed in 1988. And it's important that we revisit that moment so that we can understand why 7 million out of 17 million votes cast for the primary went for Jesse Jackson. And my guess is if you were to talk to older voters, older black voters in the South, you would get a demonstrably different take on the importance of Jesse Jackson than what a lot of us experienced. So... Uh, I just wanted to kind of replay that out loud again because I, I want to make sure that we're checking, uh, uh, that I'm checking my own privilege and my own viewpoints as we go through some of this material because I definitely have a, a, a white, liberal, male, older perspective on everything. And I myself am relearning. I am learning new language through the lens of this show, through conversations with 99 from listeners and even you know when Manny uh, weighs in from his perspective because he had a completely different background growing up than I did so all of us together putting together a language a shared language that checks our biases but doesn't eliminate them because that's impossible but checks our biases acknowledges them and then still looks at the source material and the root causes of these things and to me that Jesse Jackson moment was really important and I'm glad that so many people have responded in the way that they have. So let's move on from there and the tasty bud that Cole wants 99 to have and listen to John R. who said, enjoying the show notes for Clinton 3 and with respect to the language, don't change a fucking thing. you true blue New Yorkers and that's how it is. I wouldn't want it any other way. Though, with respect to the concerned listener, perhaps they could edit the Substack content for language themselves before sharing it with persuadables on the fence and the other side. Just a thought. I appreciate you, John. Wow, is this impression based off anybody? No, it's just, you know, a little bit of what I know, what I got. Yeah? Yeah, nobody in particular. Yeah, I'm picturing you with like, I don't know. That's all good. You know. Like don't a, worry about it. You know. That's fine. Yeah. That couple, two, three people that we might know sounds like a little bit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure John sounds just like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't. John didn't say that they're from New York. They're saying we're from New York. That's right. (laughs) 
Okay. I imagine that that's how John might think that we might speak when we're off the microphone. Yes. Maybe, huh? I actually, that impression is based off of me. It's very hard for me to do this <laughs> accent. And you might hear me slip sometimes into yeah. that, you know, very stereotypical. You got me. Potentially offensive one. I'm doing 99. Yeah, but that's what I sound like. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, usually walk around smoking a cigar. That's that's just who I am. Yep. Yeah. In the studio, no less. Yeah. <coughs> it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm giving Max asthma. <laughs> Why don't we move on to uh, Jimmy G? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so James, I don't know that they're Jimmy. James G said, just finished listening to the Clinton trifecta and wanted to respond to a few of the discussion points regarding welfare reform and Hillsdale College. Check out season one of the Uncertain Hour podcast, which does a deep dive into the difference between what people think cash assistance and what it really is. Spoiler alert, they're not the same. One of the institutions they focused on is a neighbor of Hillsdale College, Adrian College. It's not hard to imagine that the antics at Adrian are also occurring at Hillsdale. Good stuff. Okay. So everybody, you have to check out Uncertain Hour podcast. We will link that. Thank you, James. Or Yay, Jimmy G. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Corey S. had a little bit of an admonition, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, eh? So a third-party vote is just a wasted vote? Fuck that. I have no problem with trying to get as many progressive candidates as possible elected, but if that candidate loses to some shitbag in the primary... I'm not going to go all vote blue no matter who. If they want my vote, they have to earn it. If it takes a third-party candidate to siphon off enough votes for the DNC to maybe consider the people they've abandoned, so be it. So Corias is responding to an offhanded comment I made about Jill Stein in the general election. Somebody assumed that I had voted for Jill Stein, and which point I said I did not because in the general I wasn't going to risk it, even though I am in a very blue state. And I wasn't interested in sending a message because I didn't believe that the Green Party had a future as a party in, oh, I don't know, 43 states in the country. So is it flippant and offhanded of me to say you're throwing your vote away? And is it better to send a message by voting for a third party candidate and basically telling the DNC to go fuck itself? It's a good debate. I feel like the DNC doesn't give a shit is the problem. But money talks and so do votes. It's a good debate. Corey, yes, I'm, I don't think you're going to change my feelings on this because. Well, what about this? If I posit this situation mm-hmm. in that election, I don't think you believed not just in the Green Party, but in Jill Stein. Right. I liked a lot of what Jill Stein had to say without a doubt. Okay. I liked a lot of Jill Stein. Okay. Well, I was going to posit a situation where if the candidate warranted your vote, if you felt like they were more, like if Bernie (laughs) was running as an independent, obviously we'd all vote for Bernie instead of voting for Joe, you know? Yeah. But maybe my my supposition was wrong. Well, that's an, see, that leads to an interesting question because Bernie running as an independent reelects Trump 100%. I was speaking right? I was speaking in the past like in let's say last election not this coming election I don't I can't even I feel like I can't even think about this upcoming election I know no, I have I know. to It's exhausting. Yeah, it's a little scary at this point, but I yeah, listen, every vote matters and I and I appreciate people going to the polls because I'm not one of the people that says, "Well, I'm just going to sit home." And I I don't believe in that. I think you have to be part of the process and you have to you have to be heard. 
How much are you heard is a real question, though. And how and when can you send messages when you are displeased? And Corey S. is on to something here. I mean, if you want to show the the Democratic Party, you know, fuck you. I'm not happy with anything you're putting out there. Sitting home doesn't tell the whole picture, but voting for a third party candidate absolutely does. So I'll say this. If it's between those two choices, because you simply cannot hold your nose and vote for the Democratic candidate who may or may not be a shitbag, then I'd rather see you cast the vote for the third party candidate to send a message. But I I still stand by the fact that the midterms and the local elections and the congressional elections and the state elections are more important than the big ones. So I think we're framing this in a particular way when we're just talking about presidential elections. There's no scenario to me where you can, you know, hold your nose and stay home if the if the the potential result is that Donald Trump takes, you know, the White House again. That to me is unconscionable, right? If you know that that's the that's what's on the line. However, in local races, remember Backing progressive candidates and backing Democratic candidates is super important because the state legislatures are the ones that get to gerrymander the districts. So it's important to have control of local state houses. We took our eye off that ball when the Republicans didn't, and you see what happens. That's how we can have a tyranny of the minority. It's really important in the congressional election elections, once the districts are drawn, to put forward as many progressive candidates as possible. And that's why primaries matter. So people who are, if you want to convert the Democratic Party and you register as an independent, you are robbing yourself of the ability to effectively fight for progressives to get on the ballot as Democrats. Forget about the labels here. Think about the mechanisms of power and where the institutional power lies. And it is all within the construct of the party apparatus. You cannot fight these party apparatuses from the outside because they're too entrenched. And I'm not saying, oh, give up the fight. I'm saying the pathway is right there in front of you to win the fight, and it is by overthrowing the apparatus from inside. We have the mechanism to do it because they've laid it out. Wait, so are you saying we should storm the Capitol and incite change from inside? Of course. The only way to get this done is to storm that. Wait, no. That's what, what I was hearing. with you? It's too entrenched. Between the cigar I heard, smoke. I heard institutional power weed, lies. The bucket hats. <laughs> it's all too much. I am the Q shaman. Oh, my God. <laughs> kind of tracks. We got to edit that out <laughs> before before unfuckers find out you're real. Although, in Bobby McDee's fan fiction, I'm Ron DeSantis. Fan fiction. And you... Hey, fan fiction. There is no greater thrill on earth than meeting a Walken for the first time. I'm Ron DeSantis. You are, you're basically Oz. Just me, yeah. You're 99, but you're Oz behind the curtain. You're pulling my strings, right? Manny is right there along with you doing evil bidding. Yeah. It's all very confusing, Corey S. Bottom line, I'm with you to an extent, and I, I get why that wouldn't, my throwaway statement of don't waste your vote uh, wouldn't necessarily resonate with you. But I think the circumstances, the type of election and when the election is matters. Anyway, let's move on to some general emails and get out of the episode specific emails. Yes, this was just a little fun one that Joshua K sent me. 
said, hello, this is for 99. I was catching up on seven episodes, and if I remember correctly, you said something about liking Hala, and it's hard to bake a good egg-free Hala. Hala. I did say that. Well, it's not my personal favorite. There are some Hasidic Jews who use what they call water Hala, and Brooklyn has some great kosher bakeries, if that's not something you've experienced. Water Hala. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have to, you're going to have to take me to Brooklyn. Day trip to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Fun. Where else okay. should we go? Um, well, we got to get to Vermont to see Bookstore Kim. Well, I mean, in Brooklyn. I'm saying, oh, in Brooklyn? What are we going to do on this day trip? Oh, we got to get ice cream right at the bridge, at the foot of the bridge, right? Oh. At the Brooklyn that? Bridge. Is there ice cream there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it vegan? My favorite thing. So, uh, we'll reveal a little something is, yes, we're from New York, but we're not from Brooklyn. My favorite thing to do when talking to people from Brooklyn is say, oh, yeah, that's that place on Long Island because it drives them crazy. But technically, just a little geography from the New York area, Brooklyn (laughs) is on Long Island and Long Island gave it away in like 1902 for like seven dollars because they were so tired of having Brooklyn as part of it. (laughs) Brooklynites hate that. I had this this argument with my roommate about So I said that when you're calling the city, to me, that's Manhattan. Of course. I know that the other places are the city, quote unquote, but the city is Manhattan. It's not like, I'm not going to say like, I'm going to the city and I'm going to the Bronx. Like, that's just not that I'd be going to the Bronx. What about Saturday Night Fever when they were in Queens and they're like, let's go to the city. They're talking about Manhattan, not Brooklyn. And she disagreed with me and she was like, no, we live in the city. And I was like, nope. So, you know, we know I live somewhere outside the city. I'm not going to say which borough, but yeah, I was like, no, I would never say I live in the city. I would say I live in X. The only borough that doesn't belong is Staten Island and that's because where, it's the gateway to New Jersey. Yeah, it's basically. So basically you want to you want to reabsorb Brooklyn and jettison Staten Island. If we had to. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, if we had to. I mean, it seems like a fair trade. If we give up, if we had to give up a borough, there's no question that's the borough. Well, that obviously. Goes. Yeah, you can't give up the boogie down because the boogie down Bronx no, gives no. us all the street cred. We don't even need to have this cover. We know we're getting rid of. I thought I was like, okay, are we are we taking are we taking Brooklyn back? Who's we? Me and you to the island. Mm. Oh the i oh the island the island oh that's Long Island. So the island, the city, Strong Island, the other borough. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, and I think we have to. We could probably excise the Hamptons though, right? Just let them be in their own fucking thing. Their little shishi. I'm sure they would want that Buck anyway. Them. Yeah. What does that do for like the rest of out east, though? I think it dedouchifies it a lot. Okay. Right. Honestly, I don't know much about out east. <laughs> out there on Long Island. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I know the wineries. That's about it. Well, I know this much. Joshua K thinks that you can get some good water holla in Brooklyn. I'm going to. All right. Just where we won't go for water holla. Stat Island. That's right. It's because they don't have any Jewish people there. By the way, Nathan Surst shared a Is photo. Okay to say what? That there are no Jews in Staten Island. That's not like offensive, right? Think demographically, it's true. No Hasidic Jews. Just any Jews. Any Jews? No, there's got to be Jews in Staten Island. I mean, there's more Jews in Greater New York than there are in Israel. <laughs> how? I'm just going. How many Jews are in Staten Island? <laughs> Four. <laughs> if it says that. If you Google it from Staten Island, it's five. <laughs> um, okay. This is a 2002 study. Okay. There are 41,600 Jews in Staten Island. Wow. In 20... 20- Repping. Okay, wait. This this says that in 2013, it says the, it, it dropped by 8,000. That's a lot. 
Yeah, so I think the Jews are leaving. Wow. Yeah. Dare I call it an exodus? Oh, God. <laughs> I, there, I did it. Well, okay. sorry. Listen. Sorry if I offended you, <laughs> Jewish person from Staten Island. The argument that people in Staten Island don't want to drink outside can be disproven by going to literally any Little League game. <laughs> One guy at the protest even gave a speech where he literally compared not being able to drink indoors to being Jewish during the Holocaust, which must have been awkward for the people there who had to suddenly pretend they believed in the Holocaust. <laughs> Nathan Surst shared a photo of a UNFTR sticker covering a I did that Brandon fuck Nathan Whoa, Surst right in <laughs> oh <slip>. my god <laughs> Let's go Brandon He did not say that Nathan Surst shared a photo of a UNFTR sticker covering an I did that Biden sticker Wow that was a Freudian no, slip No comment we don't know that Nathan put it there. No, just Nathan a, definitely didn't put it there. It just appeared there. That's right. He just said, whoa, he it's... Caught a picture in the wild. Yes, exactly. And Knudsen was talking about the Unfuckers at All group on Facebook. This is part of a correspondence I had with Knudsen before I left, where I was basically just thanking him for setting up this amazing channel where everybody can meet on Facebook, and it's really neat. So he said, I got tired of waiting for someone else to do it. Shading me. <laughs> Finding some of the show notes mentioned folks. He's not shading you. No, they, we always said there was a, that had to be a fan run thing. No, that's not true. I said for, I was like, I just need to figure out where to do it. And then I didn't <laughs> and Knudsen did it. So it wasn't direct shade, but All right. shade taken, Knudsen. Well, he said, finding some of the show notes mentioned folks to get it started was simple enough. Curating the group is easier yet. I've done some other Facebook groups, and they all needed hawkish attention to avoid meltdown. The unfuckers don't need that kind of helicoptering. That's a nice compliment to the unfuckers. So if you haven't yet joined and you are on the Facebooks, go to unfuckers at all. I believe you have to put in the asterisks for the U. Uh, right? well, I'm just going to link it in show notes. Or go to show notes and click on the link. Yeah, much easier. Get to that little place where all of the seminal unfuckers that you hear us talk about week after week are gathering and changing the world. Okay. Well, Adrian B. Hi, unfuckers. I'm a supporter and an expat Brit fucker and now unconucker. Very confusing. <laughs> I wonder if you considered an episode of the trajectory of current labor action. Ooh. The UK seems to be in an awakening of how unfair the economic system is. A great example are the leaders of the National Union of Rail, Maritime, and Transport Workers, RMT. They need a better name. <laughs> yeah. Nermt. Nermt. Uh, there are a lot of great videos of this union in particular speaking out and just speaking truth to power. And it's been a lot of fun to 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 observe from, from the sidelines. I've said that we definitely have to do something on the EU. Can't tell the EU story without talking about where the UK is going to wind up and the impact of Brexit. I listen to David McWilliams a lot. I think I've revealed that before. And he's done a lot of great stuff on Brexit and really has a, has a good finger on the pulse there, uh, particularly because he's an Irish economist. We owe the UK its own unfucking. And as a matter of fact, I think, is that our number two download country or is Canada? Because in the English-speaking world, we are gaining a foothold. So obviously, the U.S. is responsible for most of our downloads. After we got involved with Canada Land and, and did our episode, our Uncanucker episode. I don't know. 
I think Canada was number two down under. Obviously, we've got Kiwi fuckers down under fuckers, but I think the UK just, has a lot. Yeah, we have a monopoly on the English speaking world, and some countries that don't speak English. That's true. sometimes. Oh, there's uh, where's the one that we trend? We've hit like number one in I don't know some weird. You know what the thing is? Spots. Is that everyone else on the world? On the world. They're mm-hmm. not in the world. They're no, on the world. Yes, of course. They speak English. That's right. Too. <laughs> we don't speak anything else. Because we're lazy. Oh, uh, the kids were doing it's that. It's not our fault. It's the school system's fault. On the trip, they were talking and about uh, TikTok trends. And one of the things they, one of the quizzes they gave us is name something that is a good thing if you're rich and a bad thing if you're poor. Hmm. Yeah, speaking multiple languages. Yes. Something else about owning cars. And smoking. Yeah. Right? So if you're rich and you smoke, that's cool. If you're poor and you smoke, you're trash. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, if you speak two languages. I don't think this is a TikTok trend. This it's is not? like a meme from like 15 years ago. Well, see, now I have this weird gap. Again, okay. <laughs> I either know stuff from first run from the 80s and 90s, like Miami Vice. Mm. Things from you that you fill me in on that happened with your millennial generation or shit from my Gen Z kids that all comes from TikTok, irrespective mm. of when it started, but okay. framed through the TikTok lens. I see. Yes. The TTL. Yes. The TikTok lens. That's right. Okay. TTL. <laughs> all right. Gen S. But yes, to Adrian. We will do that one day. Yeah. And, and probably not conflated with the EU story. I think the EU economic profile is a is a really strong one to do on its own because there's so many great just to go back to that for one second there's so many great analogies that we can draw to that about the size of the european economy versus china's economy versus russia's economy versus the united states and and south america the uk for so long was the dominant financial center there and with brexit it really changed the dynamic the eu is such an interesting experiment now multi-decade experiment that has in some cases really worked out and in some cases not so much. But examining it as a whole and then benchmarking it against the success of Asia versus uh, the United States economy and North American economy, South American economy, I think is really interesting. So anyway, now Jen S would like to take this opportunity to introduce the OG unfuckers to Ike McCortle. Ike is running against Representative Ken Buck of Colorado's 4th Congressional District. This is not Ike's first time running against Buck. Ike and Buck. I like it. As he ran against him in 2020, I voted for him in 2020 and plan to do the same in November. Please give this candidate the same level of energy and look through as you did with the last four. Which, by the way, thank you for the wonderful shout out. I woke up that morning to an early text from David geeking out over what Max said. Hey, that's me. So, okay, Jen S is a is an unfucker that we trust, uh, who has vetted a lot of candidates in Colorado, is doing a lot of the work on the ground to make sure that these candidates are stellar and truly progressive. We are taking her word that Ike McCordell is the choice and needs to unseat Ken Fuck. Am I reading that right? Ken Fuck? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good uh, yeah. Can fuck. Oh, can fuck. Oh, that's like Ken a, Buck. That's like a Mike Hunt. Like can can fuck uh, come to the main office? Uh, can Buck. Can fuck. So uh, okay, so we're gonna listen. We gotta fuck Buck. Okay, and get McCorkle. McCorkle, 
Shit, am I massacring this guy's name? Let me see. Because I don't have my glasses on again. No, it's McCorkle. Ike McCorkle. It's a good name. McCorkle, you got to take it. We are behind you. The unfuckers are behind you. So Colorado fuckers, make it happen for Ike in the fourth. Okay. Well, Lucas M. said, there was a mention of whether PragerU produced kids materials on an episode a while back. And That's so creepy. What? <laughs> Just Prager you and kids materials. Oh, yeah. Like, well, yeah, I was gonna say no. Them. We it wasn't a mention. It was it was a reference right. to their disgusting children material. But uh, Lucas said, "I'm here to tell you they certainly do. We were given a copy of Otto's Tales, the national anthem, and pledge of allegiance as a joke from a friend. Let me tell you, the propaganda bullshit runs deep in this children's book. One quote from the pledge of allegiance section: "Quote, they went to their classes and sat in their chairs." They looked up at the teacher with soft, quiet stares. Time to say the pledge, the teacher did start. The students stood up and put their hands on their hearts. I pledge allegiance, they all did say. Dennis, I asked, do they do this every day? Yes, Dennis said with his hand on his heart. It is how every day at school should start. Oh my God. <laughs> it, that's so sick. Can Prager get any fucking worse or more Who devious. are they outsourcing these books to? It's disgusting. At least if you're going to write kids' books, can you make them like less like parodies of Dr. Seuss? Seriously. At least get... I'm sure there are some fucking shitty people out there who are at least good authors. You so, know? J.K. A, Rowling. <laughs> a caller... Uh, a caller? A, a caller into Prager. A prank caller into Prager mm. had Sam Cedar from Majority Report on the other line. <laughs> That's awesome. And... He t so Prager, Dennis Prager himself, on his stupid, awful show, took the call, <sighs> and the guy was like, "Hey, uh, you know, I got a quick question for you. Had a pretty decent setup for it." And he's like, "And I and I thought actually to help explore that topic, we could bring on Sam Cedar from Majority Report. In fact, I have him on the line." And Sam's like, "Hey, Dennis, how you doing?" And then they just abruptly cut off. Oh, the whole they should have. They shouldn't have said it was him till the end. That actually, that would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. This I have my friend here to argue yeah. with you. Yeah, that would have been good. Because he refuses to debate with Sam Cedar, even though he calls out. He's like, you're just using my platform. Like, anybody gives a fuck who Dennis Prager is. You're just using my platform. Anyway, I get I get a lot of joy out of watching Sam and Emma on Majority Report. And I just thought that was funny because they were talking about Prager. Do we need to make on fucking children's books to rival them? Oh, my God. Yeah, well, you know what? And they went into <sighs> school and put their hand on their heart and said... Fuck you, Mr. Prager. Go suck a fart. Print it. <laughs> it's as good as theirs. Done. It is as good as theirs. Right? Print I would it. love to tell Dennis Prager to suck a fart. <laughs> <laughs> Phrase I've never said out loud or even thought. I don't but think I've ever heard that. I needed a rhyme for a heart. So, t-shirt design idea, right? Meet, meet people where they are or tell Dennis Prager to suck a fart. What if it was like... Like schoolhouse rock, not problematic, but like we did that. Did you see? Oh, I, I meant to show it to you. There was a picture of Bernie, and he was sitting, and he looked like the Bill from "I'm Just a Bill." Let me see if I can find it. I'm just a Bill. It was so cute. I'm just a Bill <laughs> from Capitol Hill. Where is it? With all of the millionaires and the billionaires on Capitol Hill. Can't find it's it. It's hard for me to get past. If I can find it, I will, I will retweet it. Well, while you're looking for it, Joe K said, Been a long-time listener, and it's nice when the world seems at its darkest to hear someone that cares. That would be you, 99. Mm. So I wanted to get your opinion on something that was on my mind. I've worked in the IT field since 2000... Oh, this is a tough question. 
Oh, why is Bernie laying like that? He's relaxing. Clayton Kubit tweeted it. I don't know who this person is. That's really him in repose on the Capitol steps. Yeah. Interesting. Back to Joe K. Sorry. I wanted to get your opinion on something. I've worked in the IT field since 2004. Started to work on my career moving into cloud technologies. This path will move me into working with or for companies that have had a negative impact on our society. Think the big ones. This career path will help my family become financially sound. What is everyone's opinion on working with the enemy? Oh, my goodness. This is such a great question because it's one of those what would you do if type of questions. Like the TV, the TV show? Is that a show? <laughs> no, what, what was it like a, a family in a restaurant and like the mom like hits the child Oh, and like they yeah. just see what people <laughs> see what their what reactions would you are? do. What would I don't you do? think yes. I've ever seen it, but <laughs> so, this is the Joe K. He's he's at an interview. What would you do? Look, I have uh, kids and a wife and responsibilities and all of that, and have made certain career sacrifices to do the right thing, what I deem to be the right thing, whenever I possibly can. However, I I sit here with literally all of the privilege in the world to be able to make that call. Literally. Again, I was born into means, right? I was not born into poverty. I am a white, educated male in the United States of America. Humble brag. Who had all of the opportunities afforded to him and, and really didn't hear no. I was always able to take chances. I was able to fail and get back on my feet. I had a family to support me, a family that sent me to college. So I graduated with no college debt. I mean, I really have every opportunity possible, right? What? You're shaking your head. You're so mad at me right now. I'm just imagining having no college debt. It will happen. Uncle Joe's going to take care of you. Yeah, okay. So... It's 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 hard for me to real uncle. It's hard for me to kind of suggest to anybody that they quote do the right thing. It would be the equivalent of of me saying I was self made and you know pulled myself up by the bootstraps, which I don't think any any white male from your father is in a small. How much was it? Like a million dollars or like a (laughs) hundred million? Who fucking knows? But uh, I believe you put your family first. So my mom always used to say. You take care of your corner of the world because if everybody did that, there would be no problems. And if if that's all you do and you by that you take care of your corner of the world and then do good things with what you've made, you've really kind of done a lot. If you are presenting in the world with some sort of privilege and education and ability to make choices between working for some company that you perceive to be doing a lot of wrong in the world versus maybe making less, still being able to take care of your family, but sleep well when your head hits the pillow, that's a that's only a call that you can make. Now, I will say that there are, like, if you are going to work for Coke Industries with the idea that you are going to be the change that you want to see in the world from the inside, good luck. That's not going to happen. But if you're going to go to Let's say Google. There's a chance that you might be able to make a positive impact on the world. There are a number of things that Google does that are really good for the world and really beneficial. There are a number of things that 
a lot of the big tech companies do that are really good and really beneficial for the world. And then there's a lot of shitty things that they do. But some of them have open forums within them that you can join. They have ally groups. They have groups that they listen to in terms of policy and making changes. Some of them are too big. Some of them are just big enough where you can actually make a demonstrable impact. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule for it unless you're looking at something like, again, a Coke Industries. If you're going to start your career being like, I, w I really want to run a coal mine someday, <laughs> then, you know, I think that there's enough literature out there for you to understand that maybe that there are other things to do with your time and your talent, right? But again, if you are... Well, if your talent is running a coal mine, <laughs> there are But again, if you... Right, do. if that was your... If, if, well, <laughs> so example. point being... If you are in IT and you have an opportunity to go work yes. for a coal company, you know, because it, there's also a technology portion of it, then I think the literature is pretty well established. Then again, if you dropped out of high school, grew up in a very rural part of West Virginia, don't have a lot of job prospects, and you have an ailing family member that you need to take care of locally, and the only thing that you are theoretically qualified to do because it's so close to your house is work in said coal mine, then fucking work in the coal mine. The whole point of making a better society is to take care of people like that that are without choices. So the better answer is strive to be part of making a change within a system that can assist people in lifting out of those situations so that they don't have those type of Sophie's choices in front of them. That's kind of, the I think, the bigger, broader picture here of what we're all working toward. But there's no way I could sit here and tell you with a straight face and a, and a clear well, you heart. You have a straight, a straight cis face. With, with my cis face and a clear heart, that oh, you should, you should, you shouldn't work for that nasty company because they do this wrong. You're gonna find bad in almost every single organization <laughs> that is set up to succeed within a capitalist system. Period. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. We're fortunate that we are small enough, and we work within an organization here where we have consciously decided to make a better impact on the world and hire people that also want to make an, a positive impact on the world. But there are things that we have to work on that are in our business model that aren't great. And so there's a give and a take to all of it. But, you know, they talk about the trend line of history bends towards progressivism, right? We all have to be continually moving to do better. And one of the ways you can do that is, yes, feed your family, take care of your corner of the world, but given the opportunity and the choice, if you can make a different and better decision, by all means do that. And if you can't, then take the good that you have extracted from your position in the world to make sure that the people in charge of changing society can do so with a clear conscience. Yeah. I think there is one little caveat on like, let's say you're going to go work for, you know, one of the big whatevers, Facebook, Meta, Google. If you're going to actively work in like, the department that makes drones and sells them to the government maybe that one's right. like where you draw the line but if you're just if you're just working it for an office we've obviously had this conversation many times and i think i've alluded to in the past where i'm like well no fuck it this one thing did one thing and there are a lot of good people who work at these companies who are doing really good work and you know, I have a close friend who works for a huge company who doesn't always do the best things, but like with his budget, he's made really amazing investments and helped use his resources and use his privilege at this big company right. to invest in projects and make change. So, you know, obviously it doesn't sound like you'd necessarily be managing a budget there, but 
you know, you might be supporting the person who does and is making these changes. So as long as the people you're working for are good and the mission of your little your little corner of the world in that big that big <laughs> scary enterprise, I think it's I think it's okay. Yeah. Just and it, don't work for, you know, don't make weapons or whatever. Right. <laughs> that's, that's just wanted to put that one out there for Joe. I hope that's some sort of answer. Let us know where you end up and um, you know, mm. if, they, if they need a website, I'll build it. There you go. Yeah. Just kidding. Powered by 99. The UNFTR site's enough for me to manage. Well, Chris B said, oh, this is a long one, but I I wanted to read the whole thing because to me, this really kind of drives at the core of what we're trying to do here. I had the chance to try your advice last week. I crossed the country to visit my sister who's living with my aunt and uncle in North Carolina. My sister is progressive on social issues and politically agnostic beyond that, but my aunt and uncle are staunch Christian conservatives. My last day there, I had the chance to spend some time chatting with my uncle on our way up to Raleigh to catch my flight. He's a combat veteran who spends most of his time flying fantastically wealthy clients across the country and does some work for a charity on the side. Needless to say, given the subject line, he and I disagree on a wide range of social and economic issues. His primary news source is Ben Shapiro's podcast network. The conversation started when he had us listening to an interview between Shapiro and an author, and I prodded at the flimsy analysis the author was offering and Shapiro's fawning interview strategy. We didn't make it 10 minutes before we turned it off and were talking. While we disagree vehemently on social issues like trans rights, we broadly agree on structural issues that could be changed to improve our democratic processes. We talked about the importance of ending current election financing regulations under the Citizens United ruling, ending the cloture rule to allow the Senate to function again, and broadening the court and imposing term restrictions to moderate the Supreme Court. After laying down areas where we agreed on structural issues, we began talking about rising inflation and the present coming recession and its origins. While initially he blamed it entirely on the COVID support funds. However, because of the areas we'd met on earlier, I was able to challenge that idea and propose to him that it was in large part due to the commodity speculation of financial institutions and the corporate actions to hide increases in their profit margins inside issues with the global supply chain in the last year. By the end of the conversation, I felt that in a small way, the needle had been moved, even if it wasn't on the most critical policy idea. There's so much to love about this email, Chris B. I'm going to let it stand right where it is without commentary, uncharacteristic of me, I know, because I really think that it deserves to just have it out there. So thank you for sending it in. Crispy is who I, I called him Crispy. Crispy. Remember? Yeah. He said he loved it. <laughs> he did. So his uh, name's Crispy now. From now on. Okay. Okay. So moving on to Roger S. I like this one. It's a little, what do you always say? Self-congratulatory. Is that yeah. the phrase you use? Self-aggrandizing. Yeah. So Roger said, I listened to several podcasts on the regular. I recently decided I needed to support a few of them in spite of being, quote, poor. I ranked them by favorite, but found that a good number of them seemed to be very well supported and successful, and I reprioritized the ones that I thought needed more support. Firstly, I like the idea of Roger having, like, a matrix, like, being like, well, this one is here, and, like, you know. Me too. <laughs> just, yeah. I like the effort. So, UNFTR is so well made and is commercial free, so I assume my support wasn't needed. After listening to the latest show notes episode, I realized when applied to you, my impression was counterintuitive. That is that your show is so well done and commercial free because of the incredible effort that's obviously present. Even though it can only be a few dollars a month, I'm poor, remember? <laughs> it is well placed and very deserving. So I thought that was nice. That I think nice. we were talking about 
how we don't have commercials because we don't, you know, we haven't really gotten very hard to find. Yeah, we're not going to, you know, just make you buy mattresses or meal kit services or whatever, which I mean, no, no shade. I understand people got to make Absolutely. their bag, but this is a hard racket. Yeah, it's a very r- difficult r- racket. Racket is what it is. Yeah. You know, just, you know, a couple comments on that, Roger. We have a number of people that take out memberships and then cancel them after, after several months. And one of the reasons that you can give is, you know, because, quote, my financial situation changed. Even a dollar, the $5 donations, the one-time donations, one cup of coffee, or the extreme memberships that people have taken out, every single one of them moves me in a way that I, I can't possibly explain. Because it shows that there is a partnership and a value between us and the and the audience and when you come together as if as a number of you did and we'll see this in support there was a little movement afoot while we were away to congratulate us for our millionth download and send us a number of donations it's very hard to put into words how special that feels and to be entirely supported by this community if you give us five dollars ten dollars or five hundred dollars it's all impactful and it means a great deal. And it's all relative to what you're able to give. I also love the fact that you decided to support other shows and other causes. And anytime anybody needs to take a break from supporting us, we will figure it out. Like we said, at some point, we may have commercials in the show. We have been approached by networks to, to sponsor us and give us the same old, same old ads. But I somehow feel that unfuckers don't necessarily need to hear about a new home alarm system or a new fluffy mattress that they can get in a box or any of those things. When we have a sponsor, you know that it will be meaningful and it will be right. And we will we will introduce that because we have to keep growing the show and it is very very hard to do what we do. But we don't look any gift that we get in in the mouth. So I just wanted to say thank you, Roger, and everybody else that supports us in this way. It's very, very cool. What's your dream sponsor? Um, I like Bombas Socks. I love their mission. That's so... You picked one that acted... I'm like talking like, you know, Moonshot. Like NASA. You know what I mean? Like, who do you... Like, not... Bombas does sponsor on every podcast. There is... There they is, sponsor a lot? Oh, yeah. Oh, then they should sponsor I, I do think they've, I they will a say, great mission. I think that they've dialed down their podcast sponsorship a bit, probably reading, you know, reading the, the tea leaves about repeat. Yeah, you know. yeah. So if you, you know, have to go outside of your 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 little network. My little bubble? Yeah. Um, I think that's why it's going to be hard for us to find. It's going to be like a, a needle in a haystack. Well, I, I, maybe I'll know it when I I'm see talk- it. I, I don't know. You can't you have any dream of like a, a mission-driven or a purpose-driven company that you love, product that you use, a place that you go? Nothing? Why are you making that face? I don't know. I don't know. You're being weird and boring. No, I know. I Because like I, re- I would prefer to never have Well, I know. Ads. We're playing a game. I know. Gosh. I gave you an answer and you hated it. Well, How's that okay? Because you picked it's like me being like Well, because it's oh, a it's Casper. A, it's a for-profit company with a mission to support homeless people at its core. Like that's fucking awesome. I love that. Well, yes, right? I know. I'm just ugh, dream bigger. What well, you? You go. A Taco Bell. <laughs> just kidding. I uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> I would get a Taco Bell. I would probably take is Taco Bell. Dun. There was that I know people are going to be like, "Well, there is that one, but it was just a franchise owner. It wasn't all Taco Bell. That was bad." I would take money from Tivas. Okay, Patagonia. 
Okay. Fair. Thank you. You, you sparked. You, yeah. you sparked something. Yeah. Okay, cool. I do feel like, though, Patagonia, it's a little bougie. It's not. Is it? It is, but it's, it's expensive. It is. Okay. It's like. Yeah, but you can wear it forever. priced And if you send vines. it back to them, it doesn't matter how old it is. They'll repair it. I think L.L. Bean does that, too. Fuck L.L. Bean. What's wrong with L.L. Bean? Nothing. What'd I just they decided do? to say that. I also don't. Look, don't come at me if any of these people are bad. I don't know. I like Ben & Jerry's, but Ben & Jerry's sold to Unilever. Yeah, but they, rema- they retain control over what they do. Okay. Ben & Jerry's, then. I was thinking that, too. Okay. But it felt it felt feasible, which is weird, but I felt like one day I will shake Jerry's hand. Is he dead? No, he's not. Uh, no, just he's hanging with Elvis in Vegas. Yeah. Well, you know, so it's what? funny. It's like, yeah, yeah, Elvis is alive. Okay. Um, but what is, but that would, th- that implies that Jerry's also allegedly alive. dead. Oh. Like, that'd be like. Wasn't that the rumor, though? No. Are you thinking of Paul McCartney? <laughs> oh, I'm talking about Jerry Garcia. Oh. I'm thinking about Cherry Garcia well, yeah, and but, Jerry. And well, when you Jerry said Jerry, is a, Jerry's I Jerry's a real Jerry. man. Ben's a real man and Jerry's a real I'm man. I'm sorry. It's fine. I went Jerry Garcia. He is not alive. Okay. That's not a rumor. Oh. Though his birthday did just pass. Happy birthday, Jerry. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, I thought we were playing a fun game and you it, made it. You. It, he got it mad at my exercise. No, no. I got, you know, it's because I, I would like love I for this see to your just butt cheeks clenching. be member driven. Well, and it's hard. It's hard to think about like these great, <laughs> like if there was a great nonprofit out there. I don't want a nonprofit's money. Like you don't want to like a think tank's money or you don't want some the progressive. Susan G. Komen's money. Exactly. Drives me nuts. You don't want the American Red Cross's Listening money? Listening to NPR mm-hmm. and hearing the shill money they have to fucking take because of their charter. Like I've literally heard environmental reports sponsored by Coke Industries. And I know that they know and they're like, ah, oh, fuck this. And they got to put it in. Like, we can't be that because we don't have to be that. We don't you don't want to be sponsored by Alec? <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. It would be funny. We should do it like a Bizarro World episode where we're sponsored by, like, Alec. This is why it's so much e- Okay. So, full disclosure within the podcast universe, it is so much easier to grow a conservative show. So much easier. Because you literally have the full weight of the capitalist structure behind you. I mean, look at Fuckface Shapiro, right? Built it on an investment- from a billionaire. I mean, that money, he didn't did, like fucking appear out of the ether, right? And this guy was fucking cultivated and paid by a billionaire. Peter Thiel supporting right now Glenn Greenwald, right? With his, all his Your fucking favorite endeavors. person. I know. <laughs> right? So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. bananas. It's so hard to do this the right way, which is why I think The Intercept was enticing. Because originally it was funded by a billionaire that by said, Mike I'm Tyson. hands off. Oh. No, not Mike Tyson. You said Mike Tyson. <laughs> I'm hands off. I want to support this entirely. You guys do you, right? And even still, I think Greenwald and, and Tahibi kind of pissed in their cornflakes a little bit and sullied the, the nature of it because I do believe in their reporting. I really do. Your, their past reporting. just The Intercept? No, their current reporting. Sorry, The Intercept's current reporting. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I was like, uh, well, let's not go down this yeah, road no, no, again. No no no, no. <laughs> no, 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 I won't. I won't. You want to talk about Ukraine? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. If you're if you're a conservative asshole, there is a lineup of funders. PragerU again. We talked about Gravel Institute. I was calling it Gravel Institute, right? I think yeah, it's Gravel. Fairness looks like the word Gravel. But the Gravel Institute and how small it is compared to Prager. That's because Prager has literal billionaires behind them. And when we were laughing about you know where are our billionaires, and and a listener kindly reminded us. We're fighting for the right to not have billionaires, uh, in case you've forgotten. You're right. 
So it's harder to do this. I would much rather be fully member supported and supported by the coffee sales with uh, with the Uncontrog people on Puspatuck Reservation. That's like the dream scenario for me. That's why we started it this way. Okay, I'm sorry. But it's hard to pay the bills. It is what it is. I we'll support other podcasts. Do you? Uh, I support David Sirota's Lever. I'm trying to think about my monthly credit card statement. There's there's three of them right now that I support. Yes. I have to go back and look. Exactly, because one of them I canceled How recently. How do you not know? I know. That's weird. Well, what do you support? Can I, I support ask? Last Podcast. You love your, oh, I your do. sons. I do. Yeah. And I recently started supporting Conspirituality, which is like us, but for like, you know, what it is, Conspirituality, like mm. talking about. It's just, I found it and I was like, wow. I want to have them on one day, a phone a friend. Okay. They're amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. They just call people on their bullshit and all this, you know, bad stuff. And oh, it's great. I love I love that. You know, I love to put an end to that <laughs> woo-woo shit. I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Woo-woo. I just can't. One I can't say because it's a very good friend of mine and it would be, it would sort of out everything. You'll have to tell me off, Mike. Okay. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I no, pointed to something we have in the studio. It is not. Another friend of ours <laughs> who has a, has has a podcast. Oh, God. Uh, and that friend is Conan O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Gretchen F. is sharing some pod love. Mother Country Radicals by Zade Dome, the child of weather underground radicals, Bernadine Dome and Bill Ayers. Wow. Sibling of Chesa Bodine? Chesa. Chesa Bodine. I believe. Well, I number one, I think it's Dorn. It's D-O-H-R-N. I know the R and the N look like an M. Oh, my God. And I do believe Chasa was on Newsbeat. For real? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I think so. Newsbeat. So he set out to tell the story of his family history and the history they made. It begins with Zaid's perspective, being born while his parents were underground, and describes their journey to radical action, their choices and commitment to ending racism and imperialism. Well, there you go. So that's Mother Country Radicals. By Zaid Dorn. I think it just won Not an award. Dorn. Yes. So, back, I remember the, the name stuck in my, my brain. I remember listening to it from Newsbeat. Back in May of 2020, they, they spoke to him. That's very cool. Yeah. What was the episode? I am Brother Cornell West. <laughs> Should I just play the whole thing? Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D. Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is Newsbeat. Let's hear Manny. Hey, everybody. This is Manny Faces. Hey, we know that guy. Podcast, it's a bonus episode. I can link it. It says San Francisco DA Chase Abudin talks bail sentencing, reforms, and COVID-19. Oh, no way. That okay. Remind me on fuckers that we are going to talk about cashless bail and and reforms as a as a primer. You got to check out these episodes from Newsbeat. It's very important. So I had a candidate knock on my door yesterday, running for statewide office in New York, and I guess she just wasn't reading. You know, they give you a list of what everybody's registered and like, you know, you who, gotta who try. you are. 
They're meeting you where you are. Trying to meet me where they are, or they just went to the wrong house and they, uh, but I very, I, well, I, you do have that let's go Brandon sign on your. No, I took that down. It's just the Trump 2024 oh, okay. flag, giant flag okay. on my pickup truck in my driveway. Of course. There's nothing wrong with pick. Well, environment. I just don't, we might have, what about unfuckers who like own a farm and they no, drive it runs a on biodiesel. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just, I just don't want to That's how my president people. would want it. Okay. Would he? He would want it to run on the the car that would, you know, they were like, it could run on McDonald's grease. That's what Trump would drive. All I do is fart in it and it goes. <laughs> so, yes, she came to my door and I mean, her, her first sentence was, I'm running for statewide office to get rid of this horrible cashless bail that's releasing all the criminals onto our streets and making our neighborhoods dangerous. And I was like, oh. boy, did you come to the right house? Anyway, I engaged her in conversation for all of 45 seconds when she just said thanks and then walked away. But yeah. You should have been like, I have a Sam Seder on the Seder on the line. <laughs> exactly. Sam Seder having a Seder. Yeah. Oh. A Seder yeah, with my, Sam Seder. My Jewish Freudian slip. So it but it, it reminded me that there there are two issues. And this is how fucking sad the Republican Party is. There are two issues that Republicans are running on in the fall for midterms specifically. Number one, cashless bail, law and order, releasing criminals into the wild. And we need to unfuck that. We need to we need to really understand the changes in the criminal justice system that were made in places like New York and California. That's number one. So that we are in a lawless country where immigrants are flowing over the border and we're just releasing criminals out of jail in our inner cities I mean, every dog whistle that you can think of is associated with that one particular strain. And the other is trans people taking over youth sports. That's literally all they have. And they're succeeding with it. This is how monstrous this party has become. This is so beyond any of the the tactics and the shit that you saw in... I mean, this basically goes back to even before the Southern strategy. They're not even hiding shit anymore. But all of the tactics that you saw that Reagan won on with race baiting and welfare queens and Dukakis letting people out of jail and all that shit, it's all back again. But it's in the form of trans athletes taking over youth sports and criminals being let out of jail and across the border. Other than that, they don't have a lot to run on right now for all the reasons that we talked about up top, which is... Their guy is like, I mean, has committed so many fucking crimes. He's being investigated by literally every fucking agency at the government's disposal by people he put in their fucking positions, for Christ's sake, right? So they can't talk about that guy. So they go the DeSantis route and they go the Abbott route. So the two people that are vying for viability in the next cycle as they try to sideline Donald Trump are Greg Abbott, who represents the anti-immigrant and free market wing of the party, and then dickhead from Florida, Ron Death Sentence, who really just stands for everything horrible, it, like who, who passes laws against, uh, against gay and transgender people. Uh, I mean, that's it. That's what they have. Don't forget about the groomers. Oh, yes. How can we forget about the groomers? How can we forget about the groomers? The groomers everywhere. Yeah. The grooming everybody. All the kids. <laughs> Why did I start that? Why did I say that? I don't. Honestly, I don't know. I don't That's even know where, where we are. Oh, uh, 
DA Newsbeat. Right. Yes. <laughs> so back to the uh, beginning there. Pod love, mother country radicals. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll though. be linked in show notes. I just want you to know Eric Adams wants to send people to Texas oh my God. to yell it at Greg Abbott. And I said, you know what, Eric? Perfect use of your time. There's, we have no issues in New York City. No. In the city. The city. Yeah. You know, subway, whatever. Nothing. Yeah. It's fine. Whatever. Okay. Sarah L. So <laughs> when the uh, when the Adams administration goes down, it is going to be legendary. The Adams administration, like in <laughs> Hamilton, you know, it's our second Hamilton call out of the of the show. I know. I, I saw I saw that Mm-mm. and I knew what it was. What did, what did I, I miss? miss? What, what did, did I, I miss? miss? <laughs> uh, I love David. He's so hot. Mm-hmm. Is that OK? Yeah, sure. OK, great. OK. He has a song called Hanukkah Puppies or something like that. Does he? He, I swear to God. I believe it. He's half Jewish. Okay. Sarah L. said, I'm here to thank you for my thank you. (laughs) So Sarah also supported us and said it was an easy choice for me to support your podcast. It is continuously smart, effortful, and effortful. Mm. Effortful. Effortful and eloquent. Yes. So eloquent. (laughs) Me just talking about how hot David Diggs is. Perfect. (laughs) The entirety of America needs to hear this and the green curtain pulled back. What sealed my fate as a devoted unfucker was your commitment to this empowering knowledge and the accessibility of it all, on all levels. Also, the coffee is fucking dope. Coffee is fucking dope. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah L. Appreciate that. And Bookstore Kim, one of our faves, you know, that's where I want to retire and just hang out in Bookstore Kim's bookstore all day, said, here to say how grateful I am to the three of you for this work you're doing. I gave up on politics, but UNFTR has reignited the flame. I got that fire. And the language, and now at last, I don't feel like I'm in it alone. I've got the unfucking community, and we are a force to be reckoned with. Should I put that on a shirt? Yeah, why not? Like on the back, it'll be like a force. What if I do the like little quotes? That'd be fun. Let me write that down. That's I an like idea. It. I like it. Okay. Can you read the next one while I do that? I sure can. Well, we're moving over to Facebook now. Jesse C said, "Such a great episode. Max and Tom are so full of life." Could not help but to have a great time listening. So Jesse talking about the interview that we had for shits and giggles and lots of fun with Tom McGovern, who adds so much to the show. Very grateful to him for stopping by and uh, spoke to him afterwards. He said he was thrilled, got a lot of feedback and response from unfuckers. And uh, he was very grateful for that, as you can imagine. And Betsy S. said, I've always enjoyed Tom's amazing contributions to the show, but admittedly rolled my eyes a bit when I saw the drop. I owe Max and Tom an apology and debt of gratitude. The interview gave me another level of appreciation for what Tom does, and it's unfucking unbelievable. And then lastly, on Tom's episodes, because everyone just loved Tom, this is from Michelle WC. Tom's songs add so much to the show, and I'm definitely a fan, but I did not expect to enjoy this episode nearly as much as I did. Oh, Such that's a awesome. Good stuff. So everyone underestimated you and Tom, Yep. and now they're super fans. There you go. And hopefully they're all following him on uh, all of the socials. Yes, they have to. He just released a new parody. It was <laughs> to Torn, you know, I'm already torn, mm-hmm. that song. And it was Someone Ate My Corn. <laughs> so- I, it's it's truly a masterpiece, though. It's really funny. He's unbelievable. I know. The fact that he auditioned for and got the job in it like a dueling pianos, they... And he's so casual. He's so cavalier about it. But it's like, that's not easy. No. That's unbelievable. He's not a trained pianist, for the love of Christ. He's just, he's Tom. 
We did have a comment on the Missing Murdered Indigenous Women episode, which just dropped as we are recording this, so I'm sure more are to follow. But Jana A. said, just finished the episode. I've looked into this subject before, and it wasn't a shock, but it's still every bit as mind-blowingly depressive and infuriating. The genocide of the Native peoples that started with Columbus's arrival has changed shape, but not the substance. Thank you for writing in. We appreciate the feedback on that. And over to the Twitters, we'll start with Crazy Wusson said, hey, at Mark Ruffalo, uh, the unfuckers know I like Mark Ruffalo, got a recommendation for a great fucking podcast for you, UNFTR pod. Enjoy. Is Mark Ruffalo a fan yet? I don't know. But okay. this next one made me laugh because I was like, what is this trend that's happening? So at Allison D. Franks tweeted at John Cusack All and right. said, John, seriously, if you want to hear the absolute best podcast on the left, check out UNFTR. Max is a truth teller. Have you ever followed? Best podcast on the left. We can rival last podcast on the left. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Have you ever followed John Cusack online? We follow him on our Twitter, so I we share the account, so I see his tweets sometimes. Dude's fucking radical his whole life, man. He's out there with it. He's he's great. And he doesn't give, he doesn't give a shit like who he pisses off or who comes at him. He just he's all over it. Mm-hmm. You'd never even see it. He seems so mild-mannered and everything and he's been fucking with people forever. It's fun. Good. Uh at Quangulated. Every time. Oh, quangulated. Every time. Well, you're saying it like it's like of or the. It's oh, quangulated. You should and I'm know supposed by to have now, that though. committed to memory. You should know by now. There's a great At Bastard episode on Blair Mountain. I think we must have talked about we that. We did. I didn't remember. But yeah, so I think Behind the Bastards. I like it. Okay. I'm glad. So <laughs> Richie Mon won said UNFTR is the best thing in the potosphere. damn. It is exactly what we desperately need at this moment. All good progressives should listen and get educated about how the... What is this? Is this a typo? I think so. Okay. Sometimes I don't know. It might be something I don't understand. There, I, I looked. Right? Same but opposite ends of the keyboard, I guess. Yeah, so I it says it. GOQ. I'm assuming GOP. Patently crafted... Patiently. Patiently, excuse me. Pulling a max. Patiently crafted their vile intentions into reality. So... Thank you. Good stuff. So actually, it is GOQ. It's sort of a clever way folks are now calling the GOP the party of Q, as in QAnon. So GOQ. So, yeah. At Heath Duncan 108 shared a photo of their unfuck your morning coffee and said the most unfucking believable organic fair trade shade grown bird friendly big mama roasted by indigenous people coffee beans your mouth has ever fucking tasted. Hoo-ha! No animals were harmed in the making of this post. Only conservatives. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Can you read this next one? <laughs> At Ernesto said, Es inglés y por lejos el mejor podcast que conozco on fucking the Republic. La historia de los últimos... 500... Uh, 15, uh, 50. How do you say 50? Uh, 40... Oh, I'm, shit, I forgot. I'm real rusty. 50 años de E-E-U-U. <laughs> <laughs> The United States, de los Estados Unidos, desde el porqué el cómo de Amazon, el porqué el Clinton Obamismo, no fue más que otra forma de la derecha neoliberal. Thank you. And we do. <laughs> Got Shirley said, Trump 2024 is no longer trending, not even as a joke. They Got Shirley down there in the Carolinas. She would know. She's looking around firsthand. Trump won't run. He can't now. The Republican Party won't let him. That's because he's useless and very costly. We need to be prepared for what's next. I agree, God Shirley. Focus forward at UNFTR pod. Yes, I listen to other podcasts, but you're my fave. Oh, and if by chance you do play in this in show notes, it'd be great to have Max speak like Trump from the quotes. 
I like your playful side. It would be great to add once a month or more often how we are unfucking the Republic. You know, you can call these high notes. Clever. I like it. Speak like Trump. Okay. That's Shirley's request. I will. Okay. Not well, on not on command, but I'll, I'll work speak. it in right now. <laughs> well, this is a tweet about the Clinton years. Lori71 said, gut-wrenching three-part series. Many of us know how awful the Clintons are, but so many don't. Listening to these episodes make me feel even more inspired in my campaign for local office. All right. Wow. Hashtag progressive. Hashtag fucking neoliberalism. Fuck hashtag neoliberalism. Fuck neoliberalism. Hashtag UNFTR. All right. We had some tweets about Tom's episode, by the way. At UNFTR pod and Tom McGovern 27. Hear me out. UNFTR album. Tom has made so many hits for the pod. Would be fun to have an album made. Pressed on the wax and everything. I would love need, that. Right? This was from Sorry. at Etcher. From at Etcher. Not three Tcher. I'm assuming it's supposed <laughs> to be like Etcher. But, Excuse me. You know. <laughs> so Old Turk said, Max asked Tom if there was any genre he wouldn't do. And he said R&B. So Old Turk said, so what Tom McGovern is saying is that if you and FTR pod were to end, he wouldn't be able to close it out with an end of the road parody. Well, I guess you and FTR can never end then. That's right. We're just going to have to go on and on and on. At Traffis said, today I learned that sucking on a chili dog, Tom McGovern 27, is the same musical mastermind behind UNFTR pod. Had no idea, but somehow makes both better. And then Cerritos Orbis said, just want to share this absolutely phenomenal speech made by Reverend Jesse Jackson as orally stylized by many faces for the brilliant UNFTR pod. Turn up the volume to the max and listen. Awesome. So I did put it, I made a YouTube video. I did it. I saw that. Do you like it? I might have watched it three times. <laughs> Psalm three of the 16 views. <laughs> well, I have to goo, goo, I have to goo hat tip to many faces who suggested I time it with the actual video instead of just doing a little snippet like I usually do. And I think that was a great idea. It was awesome. So just go to YouTube and can they just search UNFTR? Yeah. Right? I'm sure. Oh, a quick favor. If you go to YouTube and you find the video, subscribe to it. Because we need a hundred subscribers. I remember this from oh, another yeah, project. To, get to be able to have a URL. right the custom URL where we could be like YouTube slash UNFTR or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so we need a hundred of you to to help us out. Yeah. Would you do that? And I definitely will. I think I'm gonna put all of Tom's music on there from us. It's a great idea. I'm going to put the audiograms probably. That's the little videos I put out that have like the picture and the waveform. So I'm gonna populate it and then you know. Maybe one day we'll have a whole video team. Could be. Maybe one day we'll have someone who's dedicated to doing my nails. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't. Okay. I would just, it'd be really nice if I didn't have to do my own nails anymore. I mean. I do love it though. I do think it. that it's more attainable for me to get you somebody to do your nails than to have a video crew. Just. I mean, if we were to prioritize. I like to like put you in a corner here and ask you for expensive things and then be like, well, you, you said I could have it. So you are, you heard it here first. I'm going to get a dedicated esthetician. I'm going to wax my eyebrows. Um, this is how you gaslight me in the corporate world? I don't think this is gaslighting. I feel like I'm being gaslighted. I think this is entrapment. Oh. Yeah. There's a difference. Oh, yeah. Listen, a lot of people gave us money. We need to talk about them. Yeah. Not enough for your personal esthetician or whatever the fuck you need. Good job. Thank you. Okay. You thought I was going to say an esthetician, didn't you? No, I was just proud of you for remembering the word. <laughs> like you've never heard it before. Well, let's talk about members first, shall we? Yes. Okay. Sprecher 
Nope. He's now a member. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Specker is now a member. There you go. Hey, Specker, welcome aboard. Michaela is now a member. Your show is learned, 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 <laughs> evidentiary, and profound. Thank you for all the research you do and make public. I'm going to guess that Michaela is in some smart motherfucking profession. Yeah. Like a lawyer or some shit. Right? Yeah. You are learned, evidentiary, habeas corpus. and profound. <laughs> Rodrigo G is now a member. Best podcast on the planet. Whoa. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you. Apophis at underscore L underscore dragon is now a member. Okay. As fan of long form and cited sources, I love what you all are doing. I'll give the espresso whole bean coffee a shot. Ah, like how clever. Hey, Apophis at underscore L underscore dragon. Let us know how that whole bean treats you. Pete M is now a member. Appreciate what you do to advance progressive policies uphill struggle. Figured I ought to at least fund a few boots. Nice. So this starts the whatever they were called, March to One Million, I think someone called it. That's great. So Knudsen wrote in and said that he was organizing a little grassroots donation campaign. So fucking cool. And people were just, you know, sending us some some Buco Dolores about uh, reaching a million downloads. Pretty That's, fucking awesome. That is awesome. So Hell R. Max, Manny, and 99, congratulations on reaching 1 million downloads. I've been a fan since Bottle first mentioned you. Fuck Milton Friedman. One fucking million. Susa one bought, unfucking million. One unfucking million. Oh my God. Sousa bought five coffees. Max, Manny, and 99, congrats on reaching a milestone. One million downloads. I've been a fan since Nick first mentioned your pod on Pitchfork. We got Bottle Fucker. We got Pitchfucker. I've learned so much for your podcasts. I do miss the palate cleansers and wish you would bring them back. Do it. Okay. Right now. All right. <laughs> Someone bought eight coffees. Have a couple drinks on us to welcome you back and also to celebrate the show's many successes. From one million podcast downloads to Manny's nomination into the top 40 over Yes, 40. we should talk about that, yes. by the way. Great job, Manny. Thank you. 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 Podcast Magazine nominates professionals who are over 40 years old. Now, it's interesting that he's been outed as over 40, but I think he's just 40 and a half, maybe, even though he's got uh, 19 children and children that are over 40, right? <laughs> but anyway. Sorry, I was just doing math in my head. <laughs> so, and he made the list. He made the fucking list because he produced it. He really, he really, that's, we're very lucky. We're very lucky. He where's is just the, one of the finest producers in the country. Where's the top 18 under 18? I want to be in it. Oh, adorbs. Yeah. Well, be, you would need your parents' permission to have your photograph in the magazine. I'm pretty sure 17 is the age of consent for photography. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> well, you, the captain bought a coffee. My friend in our band. The captain. I said, what? No, not again. Here we go again. Happy Unfuckers Day. He, we closed with his, one of his songs. Yes. Loved that. Yeah, it was great. And the captain posted from the band's Instagram picture of the CD and the coffee. Oh, fun. Yeah, there are band in residence. I do think we're going to have to get the captain's band to write us a song. Where is the captain? Do we know what part of the country captain's in? We could perform with the captain. Like, when I we take sing? our show on the road. I'm singing for the captain's band, <laughs> and I'm doing a great job. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> say. Captain, what part of the country are you in? Wait, I'm going there about. I say, what? 
Hey, someone bought five coffees. Enjoy your holiday. Can't wait to get back to the unfucking. And shout out to Knudsen for organizing the Million Coffee March. And Handsome Sam bought a coffee. Fuck Milton Friedman. One unfucking million. Will Watkins the fourth. Hold for it. Piss off, William Wallace. What? What? I thought I heard him. Piss off, William. No, you piss off. No, you piss off, William. No, you first. No, you. No, you. You first. No. You piss off. What? What? No, I just... I, I, what is that? I didn't hear I, I can't... I can't hear you. No, you piss, piss off, off, William Wallace. Wallace. Jinx, you owe me a grog. I... Also bought a coffee? Congrats on one million downloads. So glad to be part of this community. Oh, Jesus. Can you help me here? I know you're still looking something up, but... <laughs> At Nijefsit? Attention, Jefferson. <laughs> I want to punch myself in the face. <laughs> I love that. That's really good. <laughs> What's wrong with me? That's a loaded question. How much time do you have? Attention, Jefferson bought three coffees. Happy fucking unmillion. With much love from Vancouver, British Columbia. Wow. All right, dig it. And Knutson, of course, bought us a coffee. Wow. So it looks like Captain Span hold fast. They travel. But I'm, I'm going to guess Pennsylvania base. So, like, Ooh. right around the corner. Yeah, we can get there. Yeah. Neat. Oh, okay. if we had a Philly on fucking, we could bring some heat to that. You mean, like... We got Philly on fuckers with us. Phil fuckers. Phil un, fuckers. Un, un, well, I was going to say unfucker Oh, no, we got to call them gritty fuckers. Oh, Right? I love gritty. Yeah, He's man. so cute. All right, gritty fucker. If we if the captain's really in Pennsylvania, we could have, a, like, a, a combined show with the captain and our Philly fucker, our gritty fucker friends we'll down there. We'll bring Tom. It'd be amazing. We could bring... Yeah. We could do we a free set. Tom from... Uh, Tom's out in fucking... He's gone all fucking he's Hollywood gonna be, now, man. He's going to be out here. When? August 31st. Is he performing? Yes. He told us. Oh. See, Tom, I listen to you. Yes, you do. All right, listen. The organizer, Knudsen, bought a coffee. Jana lives in Finland. She's 4,300 miles away from McFleshman's, the furthest point in the unfuckers at all post and this coffee is donated in her name as the prize. He's so fucking cool. I know. He's like a real community manager. Seriously. He's killing it. That's and, neat. And then look. And then Jana bought five coffees. You are simply the best. I can't wait to be able to commit to a membership, but the least I can do in the celebration of one million is get y'all some of that black gold that keeps many of us upright and presentable-ish. <laughs> Love that all you do and how you do it. I'm strapped in for the journey and we're on together. I'm strapped in for the for journey, the journey we're, we're on together. together. Right. <laughs> and then Lee Smoo bought three coffees. We hope you enjoyed your vacations and thank you for all you do. Hashtag one million downloads. Bookstore Kim bought us five coffees. Here's to 99 in the mud at a show. Max at the beach with a book and Manny at home with the gang, I hope. One million downloads. The word is out. Well, you know what happened? You what? know what happened, Bookstore Kim? I got fucking COVID. I didn't tell the unfuckers. You didn't tell anybody? No, we didn't We didn't talk guess, about it. It's been, that's right. It's been two weeks now. It yeah. was literally the day Max left for vacation. She tried to give me COVID, everybody. I really didn't. It was, she tried her best. Guess where I got COVID? She went out and she sucked on a COVID tailpipe Ew. at some fucking show. I didn't know where that was and going. came in here. And said, hey, why don't we uh, gather in this fucking ventless studio for yeah. a little bit so I could breathe all over you and get you sick before you go on your one vacation. Yes, that's, that's exactly what, what I that's did. exactly what yes. happened. I wasn't brought to tears <laughs> for three days, for maybe a full week, just waiting and hoping no one got it My me. My poor 99. 
has been so fucking vigilant. I mean, hyper vigilant and so respectful of her friends, her relatives, her coworkers, the animals, everybody <laughs> to try and make sure that she is not participating in the spread. And she got it. I know. I'll, and I, it was just from a friend who didn't know. And then it was brutal. It was fucking brutal. I got knocked on my ass. Yeah. I haven't been sick since before COVID. So that's how 99 spent her side of the vacation. Yeah. Which it really sucks. It was definitely a lot. And then also, unrelated to me, Manny got COVID. <laughs> yeah. So two thirds of our team was down, just down on our asses. So well, I was just yeah, on hanging on the beach, beach, eating ice cream. I know. I was in bed crying. <laughs> I was like, my whole body hurts. <laughs> By the way, on fuckers, I've moved, I, I've decided that I'm closing out. Never, never, I'm not shutting the door. I'm not shutting the door. But I'm going to be dialing back my beer consumption era and moving into scotch and bourbon. I thought that already happened. It, yeah, I'm, I'm really officially going to make the transition now. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good for you. Okay. We can get that, uh, that uh, alcohol box as a sponsor. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm That's sure. That's helpful to everybody. Yeah, everyone, everyone Should we start benefits. our own on fucking bourbon? Oh, oh shit! Right. Don't let Alex hear this. He's gonna like be on the. F I'm sure he knows like 30 <laughs> bourbon distillers. Oh no doubt. He knows everybody. No doubt. He was sending me videos from a, a beer festival. Talking about Alex from McFleshman. Yes, by the way, he who's was the man. He was at a beer festival in Wisconsin, and he was like, "There's like 300 different brewers here, and I'm going around asking people who would who would want to host a UNFDR show." He's like, "I got 30 people already." <laughs> Like Alex. So if our tour is just a tour of breweries, he's just going to be a tour brilliant. of Wisconsin. That's brilliant, though. It is. I mean, wow. look. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you're, okay, I could. You're writing my dream for me. <laughs> I could. I could prolong my my transition yeah. into, into bourbon for a little bit if we had a, a beer tour. Yeah, well, you can get a bourbon barrel aged beer. Mm. So you know mm -hmm. it's got mm -hmm. those flavies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, two more. Carrie M. Caskill. I'm afraid that this is some play on uh, Claire McCaskill. Is that? Who's that? Doesn't matter. I think this is just this person's name. Okay. Carrie M. Or Kareem. One of them. They bought five coffees. <laughs> Thank you. And then Jen S. Bought six coffees. Jeez Louise. You want to read the last one? Is it a review or read what Jen said? Yeah. Manny, a vacay drink on me. Cheers to a job well done every episode. Goose flesh. That's like goosebumps. Each and every time. <laughs> 99. One day, I hope to share a nicely packed spliff with you. <laughs> there you go. I told you. But for now, enjoy a vacay coffee on me. Max, I heard you in 99 during one of the Clinton show notes making fun of the word gubernatorial. <laughs> Sounded like someone took a toke or two off the bowl. Stonerisms, funny words. Enjoy a beer on me while on vacay. You deserve it. Love y'all. Stifler's mama. <laughs> I mean, best. it's a funny word whether you're high or not. Gubernatorial. It's so stupid. I know, but your Cooper. laugh was infectious that day. That just, that was ridiculous. <laughs> because I was uh, <laughs> probably unhinged. Oh, hey, we had a review. We did. Prattfall. So this, I think you have to read that because the instruction is, so this is a response to something. I don't know what it is. Something did we from, read this? I don't think so. Did we? I searched for it. I think it came in after our last episode. Maybe you just read it. Like... In the email when it came in. Okay. Look, we'll read Pratt Falls review twice. That's fine. Sorry. I don't think we read it. I think you're right. Okay. You want me to read it now? Well, yeah, because I lost it. It instructs <laughs> you to read it in one breath. 
and I'm not. Somehow, you have more lung capacity than me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Um. Mm. I'm not as practiced. Mm. I. I'm not gonna lie to you. I just fucking lost it. This is what happens when I start scrolling. Command F. On my beautiful new computer. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Can just do Command F. For what? To find it. For what? By the way, Uncanuckers, before I read this review, any Uncanuckers listening, I have a new obsession that I've gained since just before, and it is, did I talk about Letterkenny? Okay, so I went deep down the Shorzy rabbit hole over vacation, and no one in my family's talking to me anymore, because I can't stop quoting Shorzy. It's terrible, but I can't wait to revisit some Uncanucker stuff. So here we go. Prattfall said... What, pray tell, are these better options that hopefully do not feature retired generals and other corporate shills and questionable experts that mainstream media interviews to promote and permeate and perpetuate mythologies learned from headline news that dumb down and sanitize current events and wastes audience time with speculation and biases? Please play closer. Bach, I almost made it. Please pay closer attention to the show and keep an open mind. And most of all, relax. Thank you, Prattfall. Yeah, I don't know what it was in reference to, but I liked it. Love the five-star review, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. All right, 99. I think we've blathered on enough. Yeah, This sorry. will be about two hours, we, right? I, we're almost at two hours. Sorry, Manny. We can't record this late in the day because I'm like jittery and overtired. Well, and in all fairness, we had like three weeks of shit to cover, right? Yeah, okay. and we missed each other. We did. We miss the unfuckers. Dead. And we miss Manny. We do. See you next week, everybody. See you on the weekend, as a matter of fact. Yeah, real soon. Yep. Post haste. Bye. Bye.